Hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press Podcast Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me, as always, is Matt Garingo. I said Matt Garingo. Matt Garingo. Yes, yes. I guess I'm just here as well. Uh, all, all, all right, yeah, you, you are. That's... Yeah, I guess, you know, just, it's your show, and I just happen to be here. I, uh... I mean, not necessarily, just kind of worked out that way, but, you know, whatever. I, I guess that's how we're going to define this this partnership right here. Um. A- anyways, we're here to talk about uh, the next episode in the Batman Retrospective series. I apologize for my co-host's demeanor. Um, Don't apologize for nothing. We're following up our Batman Forever discussion with the next logical conclusion to the original... Batman film series reign of terror or enjoyment, however you, you, you prefer to look at it. I think we've been pretty open about uh, which ones we enjoyed, the failings of some of them, even though they've all been relatively interesting up to this point. They've all had something to talk about, at least for a little bit. And so that brings us to Batman and Robin. <laughs> This is the way the world could end. Please, show some mercy. With ice. With a kiss. Mm. With venom. I probably should have mentioned this. I'm... Poison. Poison Ivy. And the only man who can stop them. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Can't do it alone. Um, yeah, this is where we're at, folks. Also directed by uh, Joel Schumacher, bringing back Chris O'Donnell, uh, the man, Pat Hingle, of course, as a, their commissioner, Gordon, and uh, Alfred, whose actor's name I cannot remember, but who is very good. Michael Go. Michael Go, who's really good in this one. Like, oh, yeah, he's. this is the best Alfred ever is in the franchise, and it happens to be the worst Batman movie. Is it, though? Um, yeah, it is. I'm sorry. All right, look, I, I want to be careful because we live in this age of man-children where the, the typical response you get to Batman and Robin in an age when uh, people would say things like this is, Batman and Robin rape my childhood or some nonsense like that. And like this, the idea that this is somehow like worse than, like, the Batan Death March or something. <laughs> and no, it's just a bad movie. It just It's just pr- the worst of these Batman movies, but it's not, like, a war crime. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not even, like, a hateful film. Like, like, if we were sitting here discussing Jurassic World, I would probably be very angry at that movie, <laughs> even with all the time removed. But I wouldn't... That's because that movie's, like, filled with hatred. <laughs> Whereas this is just, it's just a very typical bad movie. I, I don't know how typical. It's, it's pushed to an extreme of bad. But yeah, you're right. It's not like, it's nothing aggressive. It's nothing cyn- spiteful, I guess. There, there's some cynicism in it, but like it's overcome like with the neon glistening joy 
that they clearly have make in the movie. Uh, it does not translate to the audience side of things, but um, it's it's not it's not an ugly movie. It's it's a lot of movie, but not in that fun Aquaman way. I keep bringing up Aquaman because that is like I, I've just had that on my mind a lot lately. And that's yeah, like, Aquaman's a ton of fun. Yeah, that that, that one. I feel like that's a good one. That'll age well. Um, but uh, this, it, it's it's just like, it's so misguided. And it, it it's almost tries to do too much, but it's also very underwritten. Um, the, the architecture, the look of Gotham at this point in time, maybe even still, has never like, it's never felt bigger. Oh yeah, this is, this is the perfect movie to watch if you've ever wanted to experience money burning on screen. Yeah, it's, uh... Because it's so big, and in a way that even the Nolan films, when they're shooting in actual big cities, don't feel this big. And it almost starts feeling too big. <laughs> no, like, it, That starts becoming a problem. It's definitely And it's like, it's, it's, it's too big, and it's... It's somehow, like, experimental and generic at the same time. Yeah, so Joel Schumacher like, brings back the, the lavish color schemes, even, like, the black light sequence from Batman Forever. Uh, everything that, like, we talked about as a positive in that movie is, like, times 100 in this movie. And again, I, I don't think it's even, like, worth hating. Like, you brought up that, that, uh, that infamous phrase that's all over the internet from like the man children that complain about everything that I won't repeat because mm -hmm. I just think it's really gross. That, it that is, but I just I, I felt like I had to go there no, for no, one. I, I, I get it. One. Yeah, I'm not going to cut that or anything. Just like mm -hmm. it's like if you feel that way about this movie, go outside. Don't watch movies for a while. I, I feel like you're you're committing your personal life far too much to something that doesn't matter. <laughs> At the end of the day. Yeah, it's, and, and we'll never care about you. Yeah. In the way another human being will. Yeah, so that's unhealthy. About any movie, don't do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if, you know, people don't like this movie. And yeah, even Joel and I, Schumacher I totally, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I'm, I am here saying this is definitely the worst Batman movie. I'm not going to be, like, over the top about how bad it is. It just... It just kind of falls that way. This movie fails because I have a newfound respect for Batman Forever. I still don't think that's a good movie either, but uh, that one was at least more tonally consistent than this. Because this movie were wildly oscillating between high camp and then serious melodrama <laughs> in a way that doesn't work at all. And that's where I think this movie, it, that's where this movie becomes insufferable in a way, because you're, you're just, the emotional drive of it is something that, like, it's, the, the tone of this film does not call for. <laughs> it's, it's trying to juggle way too many characters, and uh, it, it's, it is trying things, like, in the texts. Uh, the problem is it's written by Kiva Goldman, who is, yes. again, uh, we talked about him last time, like, notoriously not great at his job <laughs> which is too bad because joel schumacher i listened to the commentary for the first time for this actually so mm. I, I got a lot of joel schumacher insights uh, i would i listened to uh the batman forever one i didn't listen to this one okay joel schumacher mm. uh, I'll, I'll keep referring to it as we go through some of the stuff but he's very uh open about how much he appreciated working with this cast and crew even down to like some of the producers 
that um, it, it was a real like collaborative effort that everyone was having a good time working on, and they really wanted to like entertain the hell out of everyone, and just the praise he piles onto everyone, and like the sheer admiration he has for these people. It's like it, it's one of those nice reminders, like when it hit me when we were doing the middle of the Halloween retrospective. I was like, oh yeah, people make these, you know, like people work hard, yeah. <laughs> like they they don't always work, but I. It's helped there, me, I think. There's a way. lot of a lot of hard work going into this. I think this the reason this movie fails is because of cynical executives and a director who kind of just said yes to anything executives asked for. Which is also exactly, basically what he says. He's like, you know, look, yeah. all these people worked hard. Uh, you know, maybe this didn't work. There's a lot of toy discussions in the film, like directly in the actual oh, yeah. film. Uh, and yes. he's like, yeah. At the end of the day, like if you, if a movie's great, praise everyone. If if you think a movie's bad, blame the director. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. even though if he didn't agree with everything, he decided to to go through with it anyways. And so I I have a very like you have a newfound respect for Batman Forever. I have even more newfound respect for Joel Schumacher for being willing to fall on that knife. Uh, yeah, in his own commentary. Yeah, he's always been very candid about it. And I, again, I do believe he gets too much shit for it and i mean we there were so many there's so many gay jokes surrounding this film and in so many corners of pop culture i mean i even believe there was a i i'm gonna get this wrong but i believe there was an episode of the animated series which kind of dunked on the schumacher batmans by having a flamboyant kid named joel like misunderstand the batman character Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, Joel Schumacher was a villain in comic book nerds' minds. And this was at a time when comic book nerds had less ammunition than they do now. Yeah, it's it's gotten worse. Uh, Yeah, it's gotten much worse. Um, (laughs) I mean, I just came out of some fucking Captain Marvel hellhole of just bad, bad faith discussion surrounding the film. That's the thing about all of these, like... Look, say whatever you want about a movie. Just don't be an asshole. Don't don't bring up like straw man bad faith arguments. Like, just why why do you feel what you feel? Like, question yourself well, before now, you start questioning other people. I think the problem is now we have people that are using bad faith arguments without even realizing it. Like they think that's a genuine way to criticize a film. Plot holes, like <laughs> plot plot holes, plot contrivances. Uh, I thought the CGI in this one scene didn't look very good, and that's worth five minutes of discussion. <laughs> um, no discussion of internal character struggle and a complete rejection of that sort of thinking. Like, there's a real anti-intellectual streak, but it's only focused on, like, big-budget movies, the idea being that if it's from a studio film, if it's a studio film, then it can't possibly have any deeper meaning. And that's a, uh, it, and that's, it's usually masked in the guise of like rebellion or like anti authority, but really it's just anti intellectualism. And I'm not saying everyone who does it is doing it with that intent, but I'm saying that's what they end up doing. And I also think it's important to, to point out, like, I mean, we're, ta- we're going to talk about like the, pr- the production struggles here uh, that might not even have been struggles initially, but they come across <laughs> as like, a dead fish on a boardwalk uh, when you watch Batman and Robin. But, like, uh, every movie generally has producers giving input. That's kind of what they're for also. And I yeah. just, like, no matter the size, like, uh, it's... 
sometimes a big budget movie like The Last Jedi, you know, people say like, oh, Disney ruined this, that. What, like whatever you think of it, uh, that, that was like Ryan Johnson's film. And he had pretty much like, you know, a lot of a lot of his own free reign as much as you could for a movie of that size. You know, like smaller independent films might not always be independent as long as they got producers attached with like that money backing. You know, no one wants to see their money be like frivol- frivolously spent. They want like they want to give input on the production, you know, and like that's uh, movies are more complicated than like a series of mathematical equations. I, I always try to bring this up because I feel like maybe people don't really understand that. They're not problems to be solved. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's just, again, I think these people think they're like being rebellious in a way by like attacking studio films and, but it's, it really is a rejection of any deeper meaning in anything we consume. And it's like, they don't take it to the next step where they're like, man, like big budget, $100 $100 million, $200 million movies are a waste of money. And I'm like, yeah, that's why we should maybe dismantle the studio system. <laughs> and, you know, we should really start questioning what capitalism does to art. And they never want to take it there. <laughs> They're kind of just comfortable, like, shooting spitballs at, like, a enemy they can't beat because it makes them feel strong. That's all. That's what it comes down to. So how do we swing this back around to a discussion about Batman and Robin? We don't, but this movie... uh, (laughs) Speaking of uh, toys, this movie, I think, like, the first action scene is, like, two place... Is, like, three play sets and, like, five vehicles. It's so much. Like, right off the bat, it's just, like, colors, explosions... Ice sculptures, lots of ice sculptures in this. Lots of lots of sparks. Lo- yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but you know what? Um, I <laughs> to go back to blockbusters. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I'll stand up for studio productions once in a while. Just you know, there's there's a more complicated discussion to have there, obviously. But like, yeah. And then now I'm like, but I do kind of miss like when the explosions had a little more weight to them, like the the spark stuff, like Michael Bay productions. You know, that's he uses too many, but it does add something if they're. Used I do. I, I think. Something real tends to be all right, but there's some effects that look really bad. Like I was thinking, I was I saw Pearl Harbor a couple months back, like Sorry. just the attack scene, just the attack scene, and it's like so clearly just pyrotechnics going off on the end of these ships, <laughs> and it's it's really bad. Um, and here, but there's like no logic to it. It's it's like sparks for the sake of sparks. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Uh, and again, like the weight that, like you know, the realness of it, the production design. There's a lot of production design, but it is not. I want to say shot very well because, like, there's an art museum attack by Mr. Freeze in the opening of this film, and it looks less like he froze the art museum and more like the art museum had like fake ice already there. <laughs> <laughs> like the art museum was doing an exhibit on fake ice. <laughs> Because it, it does, it just doesn't look. Very, it's so plasticky, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, they but, look just like the toys that they want kids to buy. And uh, on the on the marketing side of things, Joel Schumacher also talks about how Batman Forever being a success. Like Batman and Robin essentially was too, but it was so critically like reviled that it just uh-huh. didn't 
garner any like intention to go forward. Batman Forever was really hard to sell um, in terms of like uh, production because you know a lot of productions also use the manufacturing rights and like uh, toy sales to like really gain traction with audiences. And Batman Forever had to win a lot of those people back after Batman Returns, like we talked about. And so by the time Batman and Robin came out, they're like, all right, now use everything as a toy. And (laughs) it's just way too much. This whole movie is way too much. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze. Why? Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Bundle up, boys. There's a storm coming. Kill the heroes! Team from hell. Cool party. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> like everything in this movie, even though it is too much, I was initially kind of enjoying myself because I refer to these as like artifacts of a different like era, basically. No, they're not that old for films, but like. No, it, they, they, they could, definitely are windows into an old way of making films. Yeah, like that, they, they could only do. exist in this fashion in these exact periods of time. Every single one of these Batman movies that we're going to talk about can only exist at these specific points in time. And I, I do think that people should watch all of, the, all of these at least once. Uh, but Batman and Robin does, even in like a schlocky kind of entertainment value sense, it loses steam real quick. It does. I would say after this, for it, like once this first action scene is over, which I should mention starts with an uh, art museum heist, and ends with a rocket in space and surfing through the air. No, but like it's... once you get to the end of it, you're like, "Where the hell do we go from here?" <laughs> and also, it doesn't end with the rocket exploding in the air. There's still a chase scene for like another like couple minutes, and then Mr. It Freeze just keeps just ends going. It. Yeah, uh, our our buddy, <laughs> the late great Roger Ebert, on his show Siskel and Ebert. Uh, I'll never forget. I used to love watching the reruns of that, like on YouTube and wherever I could mm-hmm. find them. And did he this... give this a thumbs up? No, no, he gave it a, a okay. thumbs down. Him and okay. Siskel both did not like it. They were like, what the mm. hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the big point of, like, uh, complaining for both of them was like, oh, my God, the opening. Like, it's like 15 <laughs> minutes and it was still going. And it's like, Oh, yeah, yeah it, it, it won't end and it just keeps escalating in a way that, like, you could almost be like, wow, this is like ridiculous fun in a way. But again, it's just too much. It, it like crosses a line somewhere. Like people knock the uh, the fact that Mr. Freeze has ice skating henchmen. Like <laughs> That's a big fight in the opening that it's uh, Mr. Freeze is with his ice skating henchmen. But that's like I could if, if it drew the line there, I'd be fine. <laughs> Like, that kind of makes some weird sense. Yeah. Mr. Freeze shows up, he freezes a place, and so no one, people are either stuck or, like, they, they'll slip, they can't get around, and then his henchmen all have ice skates so they can get around. Yeah, for, like, for this like, type of Batman movie in this era, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, I, I, I would be fine with it. It's fun, in a way. And, but, again, it just keeps going <laughs> to this stupid rocket escape. Which, which I should mention, contains the line when Batman is stuck inside the rocket. It says, if this capsule explodes, it'll slaughter thousands. <laughs> that is just casually dropped in the middle of this. 
And like, it's like, and but it, it, I mean, that happens a lot in this movie. Like stuff, will, they'll be following like some sort of plot thread or like character scene. And then stuff gets dropped in the middle of it. And you're like, whoa, we're going here. But it keeps yeah. piling on and on and on. Yes. It's, oh my God. Uh, I should mention that another thing that really makes this movie uh, bad is that the action is pretty just terrible. Yeah, um, um, I'm not I'm not it's, crazy it's a, about these early Batman movie action. I'm not crazy about many of the Batman movie action scenes, yeah, but, come to think of it. You know what, though? They all found, like, their own rhythm, in a way, I think. Um, even, I would say, even Forever, and even, like, Batman, the Tim Burton one, which, like, had some really spotty action. Yeah, uh, the Batman Returns has some fun stuff, for sure. Like, I think we, yeah, we, we like, praised the opening in that one. I think I said the yeah the fight with the Red Triangle Circus Gang is maybe my favorite of this era, um, but here it's like there's no real fighting; it's just a bunch of jumping around. Yeah, and a, a lot and, of uh, implementation of like the CG models, kind of when especially yeah. when they're flying around, um, which I don't think look terrible. It's just there's no weight to them yet, and it, it kind of or maybe maybe there is. It's just me being like uh, facetious or whatever, but. It, it doesn't really work because of the scene and like the sequence doesn't have momentum. So it's like I can't I can't feel anything for like the the object moving through the frame right now. Uh, VFX yeah. done by John Dykstra, by the way. Oh Jesus! Yeah, he, and his um, his work isn't the problem. It's just how it comes together. Yeah. Again, like I I think a lot of very talented people worked on it, and it just it wasn't. That didn't extend to the executives, the writer, or the director. Yeah. Uh, here, here's a fun turn of thought. I don't think we ever brought it up in the Alien 3 episode we did years ago now. But uh, mm. Joel Schumacher was one of the first people to watch a cut of Alien 3. Because David Fincher and him are buddies. And he was like a mentor to Fincher when he was starting his career. Oh, wow. And uh, Joel Schumacher was you know, sitting in the, the screening room and Fincher's like, what do you think? And Schumacher responds, well, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and then um you know he's his buddy but he's got to be honest and gave him advice uh and i, I believe he gave him the advice that uh, you have to you know like obviously care about the project but you have to love it enough to walk away if it's not working which is eventually what fincher did um yeah and maybe even turned out for the best because of the assembly cut i don't that's a whole other thing but, That's uh, a whole. That movie's a whole can of worms. Yeah, I feel like but. maybe. I don't even think that would have helped this production, though. Like, I don't know. I, I, th- you get the sense watching this that no one realized how bad it was until it premiered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there isn't like this attempt. You know, you you see in films like, with like Suicide Squad or Fantastic Four, or. Justice League, where they ran into problems, and there was like a last-minute attempt to salvage it, and it just made things worse. <laughs> Here, you really don't get that. Yeah, because like, this this is a complete movie. Those you just brought up are like they they are legally, I would even argue, incomplete like productions. Yes. <laughs> so, I guess in a way, filmmaking has devolved since '97. Oh boy, um, that's even more depressing. But. Eh, studio, you know, it's gotten better. It's gotten worse. That's that's Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. So earlier you said um, we're like all over the place, but like whatever, the plot doesn't matter in this movie. Um, yeah. Well, really, we'll get to what the specifics of the plot are. Yeah. Uh, 
you said that this is the worst Batman movie. I can't really argue with that, I don't think. But this, I, I will put a firm foot down and say that this is not the worst movie that Batman has been in. Um, oh, yeah. I think I might agree there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would rather watch this again than Suicide Squad. I, I would go as far as saying I'd rather watch this again than Justice League. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Justice League's very boring, but there's like, I at least felt like three seconds of joy during it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Here, here I, I think um, moments I enjoyed were like, I like Mr. Freeze's gun. I like the sound it makes when it fires. I don't know why. I just think that was kind of neat. Because it's fucking um, cool. And yeah. Because Batman doesn't go up against science fiction villains anymore. Yeah. I think, I think there's it, something, like, really to that, you know, uh, that just hasn't really been explored. There's something really sinister about him freezing people that is unexplored in this because there's constantly, like, dialogue about, like, oh, we'll just unfreeze him and everyone will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and whereas in reality, it, it's a pretty fucked up way to kill people. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Imagine. Um, like, Jesus. I mean, motherfuck just being frozen, you're going to run out of oxygen pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, not not the not the best. Like you have 11 minutes to thaw these people, but <laughs> if they're if they don't get oxygen for like 2 minutes, they're brain dead. Uh speaking of Mr. Freeze, the uh <laughs> Schumacher and Goldman took heavy inspiration from the animated series, which they were both big fans of. And Schumacher also goes on to praise that during the commentary. He, he really recommends that other Bat fans check it out. Well, one thing I should say that, uh, no offense to Joel Schumacher, <laughs> but listening to his commentaries, he really seems to define Batman by the 60s TV show. And so whenever he discovers something that isn't the 60s TV show, it kind of blows his mind. <laughs> like, he seems to think he made a really deep movie, you know? Like, I've seen him in interviews where he's like, there's a lot of emotion in this. <laughs> Like, he thinks, like, he's like, that's rare for Batman. <laughs> and I believe that, like, at the time this was coming out, it was, like, they're in, like, No Man's Land and shit like that in the comics. Like... It's a complete tonal opposite. Yeah, like, it was. it's, like, post-Nightfall, where we get Bane, who is in this film, of course. Oh, boy, um, is he. But, um, I guess before we get into the animated series inspiration, we should mention that the plot of this film, essentially, is... Mr. Freeze is going to freeze Gotham City to hold it ransom so he can fund the re so he can get the money to fund the research to cure his wife who is who is dying of McGregor syndrome. That's the the that the plot the central conflict in this film revolves around a disease <laughs> in this high camp arch flamboyant superhero film and it is directly lifted from the animated episode Heart of Ice. If you haven't seen this movie, you should know that you're in for some real, like, big old tonal shifts. I, I talked oh, about how yeah. Batman Forever was totally inconsistent. No, I forgot. So, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's on me. This, uh, I, one of the most awkward is in the beginning when we have the fucking terrible opening with, uh, Batman being, Robin being like, I want a car. Chicks dig the car. And then... I'd be like, this is why Superman works alone. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and um, and then we get, like, a joke. Fucking Robin's still calling Alfred Al. And 
Alfred's like, I'll cancel the pizzas. And then Robin leaves. And then we get like a long close up on Alfred's face as he like almost crumbles because he's hiding an illness. <laughs> like right in the middle of all this. It, it does let you know what you're in for, though. It does in a really bad way. <laughs> you're like, oh, no, there's two hours left of this thing. <laughs> oh, and this does not need to be two hours. Oh, no. This could have been done in an hour and a half. And, you know, I you think... You could cut... I think, the, I think the person... We'll get to who should have been cut, but... <laughs> I, I think if it was an hour and a half... This would have replay value along the lines of, like, don't hit me for this. Uh, like, like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. I, no. I, I think it would make the rounds. I'm sorry. It's not that. It's not camp enough. It's It, it really just isn't. It, it has these weird moments where it gets super camp briefly, and then it just goes back into this malaise of just genericness. <laughs> like... Everyone talks about the fucking Bat credit card, which comes later, where Batman just whips out a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Which even it, Joel Schumacher. Like, he's trying to make an excuses for other stuff, right? Like, even mm-hmm. even the stuff he's not the most proud of with, like, the product placement. He's like, yeah, that was, like, <laughs> he just, like, like yeah, kind of drops the mic on that one. It's But it's, like, there's no other joke in the film like that one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like... There isn't, like, it's not like Batman 66 where we had, like, a porpoise sacrifice its life <laughs> and, like, terrible puns and, like, Miss Kitka and fucking the USSR and a fucking dehydrating device. Like, like all this shit just getting thrown at you. It's like this back credit card comes and then we just get back into, like, nonsense. And... Like another big one is fucking Mr. Freeze in his hideout, where he's try- forcing his henchmen to sing. Yeah, like what? What? What, what is that? Ah. Louder! Come on, sing, sing, sing! Come on! Mr. Yes, yes, come on, louder! Ah. We immediately go from that scene where he's forcing them to sing to the Freeze My- to Snow Miser song <laughs> from the Year Without a Santa Claus. And by the way, none of those henchmen are actually singing. They're just like just lip syncing along to it, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. And then we immediately go from that to, I need to cure my wife. <laughs> like that's literally 10 seconds after that moment. He's wearing giant fuzzy slippers and smoking a cigar. <laughs> it's, again, it's all very much. <laughs> and it, there's no consistency to that, you know, even in the goofy you know, sense. Like, there is, a, there is comedy found in that whiplash, but it just doesn't happen enough. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Also, Vivica like, A. Fox is in that one scene and then never again in the movie. Yeah, who is she supposed to be? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, like, she's all like, oh, freeze it. Like, she's, like, trying to, like, like get in like get in on him and, like, he's like, no, you know I'm doing this for my fucking dying wife. <laughs> yeah, which I... I it just makes you go, know. why is she even here? Yeah, and because uh, Vivica Fox only had like one day to shoot. Maybe because she was like hot off Independence Day, you know? And everyone was like, oh, that movie was the shit. And, you know, it kind of is. But, like, uh, there's, it's like, why? Just, why? 
like you kind of have to like if you start getting into like why do these people have henchmen you it's like a whole can of worms that you just can't really answer because it never makes sense here it really doesn't make sense because by the end of the film freeze is like i'm gonna kill the entire planet earth and his henchmen are still going along with it <laughs> like just but, once I, in one of these movies uh there's a moment in iron man 3 that's kind of funny like that but like i want one of these movies to just Go for like that. Go for broke world domination or world destruction plot, and the henchmen are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I, I love in I, I I think there's a great moment in Batman Returns where Penguin's outlining his plan to kill all the firstborns, and the one guy's just like, hey, Penguin, <laughs> uh, killing first, killing children, that seems a little, uh, and Penguin just shoots him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I love that, um, but. Uh, here it's just wow but again this this whole element is taken from the episode Heart of Ice which completely reinvented the Mr. Freeze character This that was not a element taken from the comics where Mr. Freeze is trying to cure well in that episode I should say he's not trying to cure his dying wife his wife has been killed supposedly they don't outright say it in that episode but he tried to cure her. People stopped him from doing it. Caused a lab accident that killed her and ma- turned him into Mr. Freeze. So now he's going to get revenge on all the people who did it. They later retcon it to say that she's still alive. But that's not what that specific episode's saying. And it's it, really that episode's just to kind of illustrate the difference between Batman fighting a crusade for justice and Mr. Freeze fighting for revenge. Like, it very explicitly ends with Mr. Freeze going, but my revenge, and Batman's like, no, justice. Because <laughs> Batman has the people responsible arrested, but he stops Mr. Freeze from killing them. And that is not, none of that is present in this. No, no. E- even by the end, when, you know, the villains get their come up and stuff like that, and, you know, they team up with Mr. Freeze, it's like, all right, that's it now, now he goes back to jail. And it doesn't feel like there's any, like, resolution. <laughs> I guess they try to do something at the end where it's like you used to save lives freeze why can't you go back to that freeze and but it just doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) um we should also mention uh we haven't mentioned yet george clooney's playing batman in this movie oh yeah um Uh, which is real unfortunate In a better movie, I bet he could have been a good Batman and Bruce Wayne. He could have been a great Batman, I would say. Um, not this film at all. Okay, I, I'm glad we agree. Cause I... Where he's, he makes the same face in pretty much every shot. <laughs> he, he does have this, uh, this might just be a Clooney thing, he has like this warmth, you know, that movie star like like quality about him where you, you actually like, you kind of like want to get to know him off screen too and be like, hey, hello famous person you're so cool you know like that's probably unhealthy but that's like a thing well well, it's weird he's a young guy in this but he kind of has like a fatherly figure thing which would work a million times better if fucking he wasn't the same age as robin (laughs) (laughs) again the ultimate failing of these batman movies is that robin is not a child which gets even weirder when when they start like arguing you know because poison ivy (laughs) is also in this and she like poisons them and they basically are, like, stuck in a dick-measuring contest for half the film. And yeah. so, like, he's complaining, and they're, like, talking about, like, how, like, oh, you know, you live under my roof. And it's, like, it's a grown man. It's so childish. Like, that's their conflict. 
And also, first of all, why the fuck do they have to have conflict? <laughs> like, can't they just be partners? You know? Uh, like, give yeah. them a different thing. Like, it's so... it's, And they're getting, like, bent over shape of, like, why isn't it a Robin signal? You know? Yeah. It, it's, it's so pointless. It's not like they're talking about, like, who's really hosting a podcast they're on. It's it's just it's all this stuff that really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It, it, it's unfortunate, and I feel like that was like a Goldman thing. Like yeah, a, a kind of forced confrontation that that leads to nowhere. It's it's giving them something to do because like we have to have scenes where these people are on camera together, and they have to be saying something other than like we got to stop Mister Freeze. <laughs> Uh, oh, for for Schumacher's money, he obviously he goes on to praise Clooney. He's like, yeah, I thought he was pretty good in the role, but his favorite of all the Batmans. Can you guess who it was? Was it who was it? It was Val Kilmer. Oh, really? Yeah, I I, I don't agree, but I, I think he's a. I've gone on record. I think he was a very good Bruce Wayne in Batman. I, yeah. I still firmly believe that, and I would have liked to have seen more with him. Yeah, I guess there was a scheduling conflict, or Val Kilmer was like to his agent, get me the fuck off this project. <laughs> Lisa, but, like, production stills, and he was like, hey, man, I need a favor. <laughs> like, fucking, that yeah. contract, burn it. Yeah. He got to uh, Mr. Freeze saying, cool party, and he just threw the script out. Yeah. He's uh, like, ah, I'll be in the next Michael Mann movie, don't worry. And then yeah, he just yeah, I got never it. was yeah. again. I did Heat the same year as Batman Forever. <laughs> Oh my god, he would, he must have been on cloud nine though. After that, yeah, well, he was arrogant enough to think he could call his own shots on pretty much every film he was on after that, and basically destroy his own career. <laughs> Aww, hey, watch that documentary about the island of Doctor Moreau if you want to get a good insight into ego run wild. <laughs> oh no, well hey, you know what? He was in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh yeah, that, I mean hey, no, Kilmer's made some amazing films. Um. It's but it's usually after he's been humbled a little bit. <laughs> uh, I guess he, I, I've heard he's much easier to work with now. But '90s Kilmer was supposedly like like a huge egomaniac. Aw, that's too bad. We kind of skipped over uh, Poison Ivy. Oh yeah, she's I want to get back to. This. She's in this. Um, I want to say Uma Thurman seems to be the only person in this movie to understand what kind of movie she's in. <laughs> yeah, and... she's really having fun. As Poison Ivy. She is. But because no one else around her got it. Yeah. She comes across as like the bad apple. Even though she's it, she, really not. I mean she, she is. She does but, but she's. Works, she is the the only one who's like making decisions that fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly she gets. Because I have seen people give her shit for this. And I think she's the best part of this fucking movie to be honest. Um, other than Michael Goh as Alfred, who is actually giving a really fun and warm performance, even though he's supposed to be dying the whole fucking movie. Yeah. But we should mention that Uma Thurman... This is why the, all these fucking movies fail, to be honest. Like, we have to always spend so much time setting up these fucking villains, man. Like, that's why I hope whatever they do next with Batman, they just put him in a world where... He already exists, and his rogues gallery is already established. So we can just jump right into it and get to a story. <laughs> Instead of wasting, like, an, like 30 minutes 
being like, oh, Poison Ivy, here's how she got turned into Poison Ivy. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Because that's what always, like, stops Batman from being... That's what always forces Batman to be the least interesting part of his own goddamn movies. Because <laughs> we have to spend so many times with these fucking villains. And if, if they did a movie where it was driven by Batman, it would... In a world where his villains are already established, I think it would be a lot better. Did you catch the name of the guy who uh, turned Uma Thurman into Poison Ivy? Uh, no, I missed it, but I like the actor it, a lot. It's a great character. Oh, he's actor. good. Yeah, great character actor, but it's the, the character is Dr. Jason Woodrow, who's the fucking Floronic Man from Swamp Thing. Oh my god. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I never caught that. Yeah, it's so, it's so weird. Which, if you want to talk about, like, one of the best comics ever, and, like, the first cinematic... <laughs> reference to it is this goddamn movie oh my god um we should also mention he's working on a super soldier serum which marvel should fucking sue because <laughs> oh. marvel's super soldier serum was, um, was dc not allowed to use those or i i believe well marvel isn't marvel the one that owns the phrase superhero right like they own superhero and they own super soldier serum and then DC owns MetaHuman. Like they they co- they have copyrighted terms at both ah, companies. Ah, I see. It's it's weird. Oh, that's um, that's fucked up. But hey, whatever. <laughs> um, he he cre- also creates Bane. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> First of all, Bane was never this mindless in the fucking comics. Like. <laughs> There's no Bane was never like this hulking this idiot. He, ah, it's so he just Bane. Yeah, like not not that like comic accuracy has any like barometer of quality with these things, but like, whoo. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch who uh, he was making the Bane formula for? No, some military he's thing. Like, he's like members. Like there's a whole group there of like you know generals and stuff. Members of the ununited nations. Oh, like that's actually like in a better film that would be really funny. <laughs> it's it's very close to United Underworld. <laughs> uh, the ununited nations. Yeah, see, the film has those little like sparks of like, like just pure sheer campiness and like joy but it doesn't it doesn't matter do you know how happy do you know how happy i will be when one day one of these fucking superhero movies opens with the fucking legion of doom like and they're literally calling themselves the legion of doom like that's all i want well you know if justice league hadn't bombed and like been terrible that you would have gotten that no i wouldn't have you don't think so no, because that they were doing like all this nonsense with the new gods that just didn't work. Well, they okay. were trying to be Marvel. Ah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that eventually. But yeah, but they weren't gonna do, they weren't gonna be as fun as like they would have probably had like someone would have been like we're gonna form a legion that will cause doom, but they'll <laughs> never be like greetings Earth. This is the Legion of Doom. Like <laughs> like that's what I want. <laughs> You know? You know who yeah. else is in this movie? Who? Batgirl. Oh, yeah. And if there's one thing that should have been fucking cut from this film... Aww. 
It's fucking Batgirl. Played by Alicia Silverstone. Uh, I love Alicia Silverstone. This is no Clueless. Uh, Clueless is a masterpiece of the 90s, as you know all what? intellectual scholars know. You but, know what? I've never seen Clueless. Okay, Clueless is actually... It's unironically good. Like, it, it is I a feel like good I, movie. I, I feel like I can't watch it now. <laughs> I... I I just I I think I've passed something where I won't be able to watch it. Okay. You know? Yeah, I, like, I, I can kind of get that. I think I think you would actually enjoy it, but maybe. I can but get like it. I love you know like I love the movie. I love uh, Bring It On and like Legally Blonde from that. And that's where those two films are kind of from that era. And but I feel like if I watched both of those now, I wouldn't be able to get into it in a way that I am. You know. Uh huh. Um, and I will say, I the only film I know Alicia Silverstone from is this, and she like has played bit parts in a few films that I did not remember she was in. <laughs> and she is the worst part of this film. I'm sorry. You're not wrong. She's she's so bad. Her and it's mostly just that her dialogue is fucking terrible. And no one told her how to play the character she's playing. Um, Uncle Alfred. Um, I actually had to pause the movie. I laughed so hard <laughs> at a bad line delivery from her. Aww. Which is at the end where they get to uh, Mr. Freeze's, uh, the final showdown with Mr. Freeze, and they're like, lots of snow, but no snowman, or something. Someone says that, and she goes, I'm going to try to deliver it exactly like she does. She goes, Maybe he melted, and I had the I started laughing so hard I had to stop the movie. Bruce, it's me, Barbara. I found the Bat Cave. There's one on the page. There's nothing to her character. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't want to put all the blame on her. It's yeah, like the whole thing is wrong. Because this film is trying to do something like with the idea of like. Uh, a family, because, you know, Forever introduces the concept of Bruce no longer having to be alone. Uh, it, that idea is there in that movie. It's just, Although Chase know, Meridian is gone. Chase Meridian's gone. Uh, after she, she hit it, she quit it. And so... Yeah. <laughs> which, makes, which, again, makes her the best character in all these movies. <laughs> oh, no, she totally is, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she came, she saw, she conquered. <laughs> uh, you know, Forever is growing, like better in my memory every day but uh, anyways um so it, it batman forever introduces that element and batman and robin's trying to kind of like capitalize on that and like there are moments with alfred that i think were pulled out from a far better movie in in like some alternate universe where he's just talking with bruce about like, oh yeah his legacy like Alfred, am I boneheaded? You know, like it's like goofy dialogue, but then Alfred starts talking and he's like explaining like why he put on the bat suit and like the whole mythology is built up for himself. He's like instead of like fearing and terror and like letting the fear overtake him, like that loss over like come him, he's like used Batman as a symbol to like fight back against life and try to control like the elements of existence. And I'm like what? It's, it's crazy. What? Like. Honestly, I would. I'm gonna go on a limb. It's on par with some of the shit Michael Caine gets in the fucking Dark Knight trilogy. It's so good. Like, Where does it come he's from? Never, he's never given like the, you know the fucking I was in Burma monologue. But I was in Burma. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> size of a tangerine. But, like, you know, he's never given that, but it's like you totally could have given it to him and he would have made it work. Oh, yeah, no, he totally would have. You, you just realized that one of the most undervalued actors of all time was in the background of these shitty movies. Is there something wrong, sir? Alfred, am I pig-headed? Is it... Is it always my way or the highway? My yes, actually. Death and chance stole your parents. But rather than become a victim, you have done everything in your power to control the fates. For what is Batman, if not an effort to master the chaos that sweeps our world? An attempt to control death itself. can't can i none of us can <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> oh my god yeah this fucking he did a better job defining batman than any of these films do <laughs> it's the best explainer of like why batman has value in the middle of the worst batman film ever made <laughs> party. when all right when when arnold schwarzenegger delivers that line Cool party. Do you think he was like, hey, Joel, can I throw a little thumbs up in? <laughs> when I say cool party, can I just give a thumbs up? Do you think that'll add something to it, Joel? <laughs> what do you think, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> and Joel's just like, all right, everyone, we're making a toy commercial. Cool party. <laughs> um, we also skipped over, there's a scene where, because uh, we should say, in the comics, uh, Batgirl is Barbara Gordon. She's the daughter of Commissioner Gordon, but here she is the niece of Alfred Pennyworth, um, which they tie it in really awkwardly. And it doesn't really make sense how she like has such a deep relationship with Alfred without anyone knowing she's even existed before this fucking movie. No, okay, here's the thing, <laughs> all right? Because I do agree with you that this is a bad movie and probably the, the worst Batman standalone movie ever but going back to that theme of family in in bruce's family in the bat family everyone's kind of got like their own little like secret that they're holding from each other there is something there i, you know? I yeah but they don't go into it at all oh, no, no no they don't absolutely every criticism thrown out you're gonna have against me and my take on this is gonna be absolutely valid Mm. But the idea that they're all, like, withholding things and the only way they can succeed is by, like, opening up with each other is a good idea. It's just right? there's yeah, nothing it's, there. It's, it never goes anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they kind of came up with a problem, immediately solved it, and then got back to the ice pun. Party. She also drops another one of the worst written lines ever. Um, where Alfred's saying he's trying to contact his brother, Wilfred, who is, uh... In India, I believe. And he's like, I, I'm having trouble. I can't reach him. And she goes, well, I don't suppose they have fax machines on elephants. Uh. That line right there <laughs> gave me a newfound respect for Attack of the Clones. 
Ooh. That's how bad that single line is. <laughs> there is no line in Attack of the Clones that bad. I gotta talk about one of my favorite scenes in this movie, though. Okay, okay, go ahead. Which is the diamond auction. <laughs> where, uh... People are, like, literally, like, betting on, like, they're, they're buying women. <laughs> like, that's a thing that happens in this movie. Yeah. Just because I gotta just give a shout-out to the Yosemite Sam billionaire. Who's <laughs> 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 like, and I bid $500,000! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he started shooting everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he really should have. If he had been doing that, like, that guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> like... <laughs> If he just had guns, although there would have been a problem with the guns in a Batman movie, but <laughs> um, we should mention that at this diamond auction, is fucking Batman and Robin just standing on stage? Yeah, wh- why? It's such an odd image. It is. Well, we should. <laughs> that just reminded me of. All right, there's a scene before this where. We get the Gotham Observatory is set up, which is going to be the thing that Mr. Freeze uses to freeze the city. Um, and Poison Ivy shows up, which you should mention, Poison Ivy gets a vendetta against Bruce Wayne because she found a vial with his name on it. <laughs> and he cut, he did cut funding to her research, but only because he found out Woodrow is using the chemicals to like make weapons, which Batman doesn't agree with. And he's like, look, we can't do the extreme version of your plan, but he does kind of humor her, being like, hey, we'll talk later. Um, But Poison Ivy, in a way that, for some reason, the world's greatest detective doesn't go, I'm going to keep an eye on this person. (laughs) She's like, one day the plants will rise up against you and destroy you, and you're all in danger. And the audience literally starts laughing at her. (laughs) And fucking Gossip Gertie... (laughs) A returning character from Batman Forever goes, Oh, you must be new around here. Batman and Robin protect us. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're literally like, I'm not even joking. The whole audience starts laughing at the notion that they could ever be in danger when Batman and Robin are in town. Meanwhile, Mr. Freeze still hasn't been caught. <laughs> Also, fucking Commissioner Gordon is just a joke in this goddamn movie. Yeah. I mean, he's never been, like, a particularly active role up to this point. Which, which again, is a shame, because I, I like the... Barbara Gordon as, like, Batgirl being the daughter of Commissioner Gordon is, like, one of the best elements of Batman, in my opinion. If you want to see one of the best episodes of the animated series, check out Over the Edge, I believe it's called. Um, you know, you know which one I'm talking about? I, I believe I do, and that's a very odd choice, given what you just said. Well, no, but it's like, it honestly, at the end of the day, it kind of defines, like, what about Batgirl ties them all together. <laughs> you know? Because it ends up being her story in the end. You're not wrong, and I, I do, see, I see what you're saying. But I'm just saying, if you want to cut to the emotion of it real quick, go to that one. Because okay. so much other media treats Batgirl with disdain because Batgirl, she was not, she did not originate in the comics. She originated from the 60s TV show. So when the, the comics kind of started pushing back against that 60s image, they really pushed back against Batgirl. And that's partly why uh, Alan Moore felt like it was okay to just straight up cripple her 
in the Killing Joke comic. Something even he uh, acknowledges was like, yeah, that may yeah, have been re- a step too far. He says it was, but at the time that just shows that there was like some genuine disdain for this character. Yeah, and she no. only really got to shine on that old 60s TV show and the animated series. And then later, like with Birds of Prey and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really too bad. Like, I'm looking forward to that new Birds of Prey movie. I've heard that director's actually someone to keep an eye out for, too. But uh, it, it's really too bad that Batgirl's team is in it and not Batgirl. Like, I have nothing against Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn or anything like that. But just that's 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 a bummer to me. They're really they're really doing it all wrong. Um, I'm sorry, like you know, it, it's it, I'm sure it'll be a fine film, but it won't really be like the Birds of Prey film I'd want. It, it'll be like a Batman Return situation, I bet, where it's like, yeah, I really like this movie. It's not something I ever thought I'd I'd want or need again. But maybe it'll be a good movie on its own. No, and I'm cool with that too. But like, yeah, you you really uh, hit the nail on the head in terms of like. Poor, poor Batgirl, <laughs> like, just getting yeah. the short end of the stick on, like, all of this. Yeah, she really, I mean, female characters in general, but Batgirl, really. Because, um, honestly, she might be the best of the the Batman children, really, at the end of the day. Like, Robin kind of became Nightwing at some point and got better. Yeah, I, I'm, a, but, I'm a big Nightwing guy, but uh, um, I, I, love, I love Batgirl, too. Yeah, I just think that, you know, she doesn't have much competition. There's, like, Jason Todd. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, no, like, I, I, I like all the Robins, just uh, yeah. to varying degrees. But I, I, Although, like, I like I the have, Bat Family a lot. I have zero interest in Red Hood. Uh, it's good for one story, and then I never need it again. But even yeah. that is, like, I don't need that. I, I think you have to be very talented to mine something out of that. That's not just, like, man pain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, a lot of a lot of Batman Bruce Wayne stuff is like, God, my crusade is so takes such a toll on me and my relationships. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm I'm not saying like man the fuck up or anything like that. Just like there's more to a human being's like existence, even with something as like heavy as that, than just pain and just, sorrow. At the very least, call out the fact that he's self martyring. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um. I, I would appreciate Batman media uh, if they started doing that more. Yeah. Well, there's a hard thing because you kind of have to keep Batman a profitable character, but you like they also kind of want to criticize him. So like we've had, I would say at this point, we've had about four films where they kind of tiptoe around the idea that Batman is kind of fucked up, but they don't really ever go into it. Because they, they have to keep the character around for sequels. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a. Uh, again, I'm gonna, we're gonna keep bringing up like similar movies on this. Like I brought up Aquaman, and of course the MCU. I'm about to do it again. It's kind of like how uh, I like Spider-Man: Homecoming and The Winter Soldier a lot as standalone movies. But then when I look at how like the grander universe narrative has like carried over stuff that those movies established or lack thereof, it's like oh, that kind of means nothing now. Yeah, but I, I, I've gotten to a point where I just reject the idea of a grand universe narrative. I, I'm I take, there. It just keeps happening take, with Marvel. I, yeah, but I just take each individual film as, like, its own thing. Yeah, like, I, I don't like those movies any less. I'm just disappointed that they didn't build on those in a better manner. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I just don't give a shit. No, that, that's fair. That's honestly the better, like, choice. 
Because uh, I, I feel uh, like it, that's that's the everyone took the wrong lesson from the MCU, which is they think they got to build the like some big event, which it turns out that's like the least interesting thing the MCU has accomplished. Which is so fucking funny because that's exactly yeah. what happens in comics. Yeah. Now it's just with hundreds of millions of dollars worth of movies. Yeah, it's just like the best stuff. It honestly, what makes these movies great is so like that's why Thor Ragnarok is one of the better ones because it's literally a Thor movie where the Hulk can just show up and be a side character. Yeah, who still has an arc. It doesn't contribute to yeah. like, Thor stuff, but it has he has an arc. Yeah, but like you, you also you can't do that story without like the concept of a shared universe. Mm-hmm. So like it's good to have it, but they should always keep the shared universe thing nebulous and not make it as rigid as they've been. Um, which we'll see if that's what they do in the future once this Infinity War nonsense is cleaned up. Yeah, please God. Uh, uh, the DC ones, them falling flat on their face, I think to their credit, has really like opened up like, yeah, we're, we're mostly going to keep stuff standalone now. And like, if Yeah, someone... I, said that I, I said that I think that they, they're in the perfect place right now to just completely reject ideas of continuity. Yeah, it's beautiful. And that's what I would do, honestly. One thing that's really fucking dumb about this movie <laughs> is uh, fucking Batman takes Mr. Freeze out off screen. There's like a fucking weird edit where Mr. Freeze is like laughing and then he goes, uh-oh, and then Batman just flies into the camera and suddenly Mr. Freeze is defeated. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. <laughs> that's one of the worst. That's real bad. <laughs> it's so idiotic. Um, there's another moment, because like, that could be kind of funny, you know? Like in in another like version of this where the camp is like also manufactured. Go better. go watch that scene. I'm pretty sure that's not even George Clooney standing over him. I'm pretty sure that's a stand-in. Oh, there's a lot of stand-ins in this film. You can tell. Yeah. Uh, uh but the, I mean, there is like some kind of funny value to that almost, but it it doesn't even like land well enough for that. But uh, there's, the a, is, the, there's a the moment funny I moments really like. are two and far between is what I keep saying. Yeah. You know? There's one moment I really like. I don't even remember what sequence it is, but like when they're fighting one of Mister Freeze's goons and Batman can't get a punch through because he puts up like a block, so he, the goon goes ha, and then Batman punches through it harder and it punches him in the face. I love stuff like that, so that one got me. It's that was good, except <laughs> all the action scenes in this fucking movie are punctuated with, like, cartoon sound effects. Yeah. Woo! There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of leaping around, and it's really awkward. Like, the capes don't flow very well in this. Yeah, no, no. Did you notice that? Um, we get Arkham Asylum in this, which is the first time we, like, we get Arkham Asylum very, very briefly at the end of batman forever but this is the first time we get like a full-blown arkham yeah like you really see the ins and outs of it the problem is you really just see like tunnels and hallways yeah you see one hallway and two rooms (laughs) but uh no even joel schumacher was like oh yeah we got to show arkham again we got that was fun people really like that and i i i did too but like it's like why like it's just it it doesn't feel like it has a, a narrative purpose apart from this is where what? we're going to hold Mr. Freeze for a little bit. It does at least get, like, Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze to team up pretty quickly. Um, which, it... Uh, the, the stuff that brings these characters together and puts these characters in the conflict is so lame. <laughs> it's like we suddenly... Because now Poison Ivy has infected both of the, Bruce Wayne and 
Dick Grayson's brain, so they're, like, arguing over this woman. And then Poison Ivy wants to get with Mr. Freeze, but then she finds out he has a wife, so she goes and tries to kill the wife and blame it on Batman. It's so pointless. <laughs> it's so tedious, you know? Yeah. Like, like you're, like, watching it, and you're like, wait, that's what this is going to... That's what's going to happen in this movie? <laughs> well, does that... That goes back to your uh, other thing about, like, the Batman mythos treating women terribly, along with Batgirl, like, and all the villains and the the supporting characters he comes across, especially the love interests. It's like, I it, it, there's a really mean streak going through this series by this point. Yeah. In regards to the women. Well, there's at the end of this we get Batgirl saying, "You give women a bad name," and it's like, oof. <laughs> yeah. No. Whoa. Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, everyone, chill. George Clooney. I'm not the marrying kind. I know you've had your wild night. Good night. Wild doesn't doesn't quite cover it. Chris O'Donnell. Come join me. My garden needs tending. She loves me and not you, and it's driving you crazy. This is why Superman works alone. Uma Thurman. So many people to kill. So little time. Alicia Silverstone. And you are? Batgirl. That's not awfully PC. What about that person? Found the Batcave. She knows who we are. I guess we just have to kill her. That's the thing. The movie kind of peters out. It's like, we could talk about a lot of shit that happens. Let's talk about the stupid bike chase. Um, oh, yeah. But it's it also, also goes on too long. It goes on too long. That's a scene where it's just nothing but sparks. Yes. And... <laughs> Like that. It's just, uh, Coolio's in that scene. Oh, yeah, I have that in my notes. Uh, Coolio, DCLA, because they filmed that in downtown LA. And we, we do get, at the very end, everyone teams up and beats Mr. Freeze. Like, I could, like, there's, there is stuff to talk about, but it's just not really worth it, you know? Here, here's what it is. It's like how I feel about the first Tim Burton Batman, where it's like the first stuff, is, the first half is kind of fun, setting stuff up, this really interesting like world on this kind of scale, uh, and then the second half falls completely flat for me because there's just nothing else it was building to. This is this is kind of that same scenario, but worse. Yeah, I would say well, already I was all of these, there. all of these, this era of Batman has. A pretty consistent problem of running out of steam in the third act. <laughs> it seems to be a pretty consistent thing. Um, where they just kind of meander and then end. And this one just has the worst example of it. Because um, we're juggling so many things by this point of like, Alfred is dying. And then, oh, Mr. Freeze is going to destroy the world. And, oh, we need Batgirl to come in and save the day. And, oh, will, will Batman and Robin get back together? And it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's not good. It is very bad. Uh, but no, I don't. I still don't have any malicious like feelings for it. It's just yeah, uh, I really you, don't want to. You swung and you missed. Yeah, it's just it's just a bad movie. <laughs> like, in, I guess in an era where like when this came out, like Batman went away for like eight years, <laughs> like. You know, that that I could understand. That's not great. But in an era now where we get super, like multiple superhero films every year, it's hard to give a shit. Uh, I, I am glad I own this, though. I, I have a, a cheap little 
four Blu-ray pack of the original Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher ones. But uh, if I ever like get interested to check it out again, I know it's there. It'll, like kind of comfort me. I don't think I will want to check it out a while for a while. But I don't yeah. think I'm gonna revisit this one <laughs> unless I have children. I don't think I'll ever watch this again. Here's the thing: even as a kid, I kind of felt like like something was wrong here. I liked this as a kid. I'll be honest, mm. but I liked everything as a kid, so I don't know. Yeah, I generally, no generally, I did too. I mean, the the Phantom Menace was probably like the most watched Star Wars film in my household. Uh, but this one, I was like, something, something's not there. I remember I was watching it on TNT, and I was like, hmm. The one I didn't like as a kid a lot. I I really didn't like Forever for some reason. Um, not a fan of Seal. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was just I didn't because like I'm like there's Jim Carrey not being funny. There's Tommy Lee Jones who is I like in Men in Black but I don't like him here. And then I don't know who anyone else is. And that's why I didn't like that film as a kid. Whereas this one I'm like oh I know uh, I know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is and I know who George Clooney is and I I know who that the Robins from the other film. <laughs> And I, I vaguely know who Uma Thurman is, you know. Other than that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not not a good movie. It's it's again. I would just say it's it's the worst, but it's not like an assault on humanity. Yeah, I, there. I would say there have been far worse superhero movies, especially since then. Yes, there were worse superhero films of that era. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Did you, did you people see fucking Steel? I was about to bring up that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo! I mean, I'd rather watch this than, like, Blade Trinity. There's so many other things to watch. <laughs> I don't need to watch this again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I guess that's it. I guess that's Batman and Robin. Yep. So, that was... I guess that's... So we're, we're kind of close to the halfway point of this retrospective, I would say. Yeah, we, we got a, a special one coming up next... Because it's not, it's the one theatrically, or the one film that wasn't theatrically released that we're going to talk about. Mm. Yes. That I'm actually very excited to talk about, because it's a personal favorite. Can you guess what it is? Probably. <laughs> but we're going to talk about it anyways. Yes. So that, that has been, but that's the end of a Batman era. Yeah, this is, it closes the door on a, on a series of four very different movies. <laughs> A gothic, neon-color-palleted door that's shut forever. Which, again, if you take pieces from... I would say what, what I'm trying to get to is that every film we've watched so far, we've done six so far, there are pieces from each one that if you just take them and put them together, you'll end up making a per perfect Batman movie. We just got to go through a couple more films to add some more pieces. And until Although there's that's... one I'm a little uncertain about. <laughs> but we'll see. And until that time, Matt, thank you for joining me. Where can the people find you? You know what, Diego? Why Why am I joining you? Huh? Because uh, I do all the work. Why Why is it your... Why isn't it... Why am, why am I not the host of this podcast? You don't edit the, the pictures or the audio or or oh, some You're going to pull that fucking card again. It's, it's, huh? I mean, if it's the card, if that's like the whole gonna, deck. 
you're going to pull the, oh, I do all the work card, huh? Listen, Diego, podcasting has to be built on trust. Isn't that what you said to me when we started this? It's, uh, well, uh, should I trust you to, to, to do like, you know, get Adobe Office and do Photoshop and Premiere and... How can you trust me if you don't let me? I can give you my password. Listen, you're, you've been standing in my way long enough. I'm taking this, I'm going on the road. I'm starting my own podcast. I'm doing my own retrospective. You're, this is finished. I mean, if we just split the cost, it'll be easier. It's Fuck like 30 this, bucks I'm out of here. In a Joel Schumacher film. Strength and courage. Partners. Honor. Partners. And loyalty. Freedom and justice. Partners. It all comes together. We're going to need a bigger cave. Batman and Robin.